Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hayes' Higher Learning. I am your host, Ashley Hayes, and I'm super excited. Today, I'm in one of my favorite cities, Los Angeles, California, and I looked up a poet that I haven't seen in probably almost 10 years, but I found out he lived in L.A., so I came out and he's decided to talk to us. I am so happy to introduce y'all to Sphinx. Sphinx, how you doing? What am? What it do? What it do? What it do? What it is? Hey, everybody. <laughs> really? You have to start. Yeah, have to I know. Start I didn't know. I was excited. I'm okay. excited. You can tell. You feel the energy. I appreciate that you're excited. So I'm going to just set this up. So I met Sphinx probably 15 years ago. I got into poetry scene in Atlanta when I was about 16 years old. Had no business being in Apache Cafe, no business being in the venues. And I had a set of mentors, Abyss, John Good, and then this guy, Sphinx, who just created space for me as a young poet in Atlanta and really just taught me how it worked. And 15 years later, I do this for a living. Mm. Can you believe it? Crazy. I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't I can't believe it. I do it for a living. And so I have you to thank for that and the Atlanta Poetry Slam community. So I wanted to talk to you because you're a creative entrepreneur and you have been a creative entrepreneur as long as I've known you. So talk to me a little bit about what brought you to LA. What are you doing out here? Well, brought me to LA. LA uh business in, in a nutshell, LA business and opportunity through uh our company, Verbal Slick. Uh, so that's definitely in the nutshell what brought me out here. And uh been into a lot of things yeah. since then. Yeah. You want to talk about them? Definitely. Definitely. I want to talk about any and everything you want to talk about, boo. Okay. All right. So <laughs> you, I met you as a poet. Are you still doing poetry full-time? Is that your primary stream of income? How are you generating revenue as a creative out here? Uh, I, I, just, I, haven't, I haven't done poetry in quite some time, in public, when I say do poetry, definitely like in a, on the microphone in front of an audience. I haven't done that in quite some time. I, I would have to, I would have to think about the last time because the last time I done it, I did it. It wasn't a decision like, okay, this is the last time I'm performing. Yeah, you know what I mean. It wasn't like that at all. It was just time went on and time went on and time went on, and uh, the creative juices <clears throat> were always there, but just in a different capacity. So as time went on. I felt like I had, you know, I have, I, at the time, of course, I'm in Atlanta and I had, a, uh, have had a name for myself, but I didn't feel like I wanted to just be out there to be out there. Even though I felt like I was drowning in nothingness for a long time. Yeah. Just, yeah, I feel like I was spinning my wheels. I felt like I was really spinning my wheels. I felt like I wasn't growing as an artist. I feel like I was doing a lot of the same stuff over and over. I wasn't even you know, growing or expanding to, like, the college circuit. I was mm -hmm. doing college shows off the backs of, like, Abyss, you know, for a little bit, but never just on the, you know, I wasn't, like, the bill. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a show or whatever, if you want to call it that. And um, and over time, so, I, you know, I, I used to kind of, you know, battle with myself in a way, like, oh, I need to be out there. I need to have my face seen and this and that and this, that, trying to, you know, from a competitive standpoint and just for, you know, trying to, keep exposure as an artist, mm -hmm. but I feel like I didn't have nothing new to say. I feel like I didn't, I felt like my skill set hadn't grown. I felt like I hadn't got sharper. I felt like it was just, to me, it's just the same stuff. And it was like, I I felt like I'm not going to get back out to, get back out there until I feel like, oh, I got some, I got some shit. You right. know, I'm about to kill it. Because in my mind, it's like cats like Cola Rum, like always on my shoulder. Like, you yeah, suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what you got, you better kill it. You know, just that pressure. Um... And so, yeah, so just as time went on, 
I was like, man, like as months went, I'm like, dang, I ain't performed like in a minute, but I wasn't missing it either. Mm. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't missing it. Um, because I was like starting to look down the road as I'm I'm getting older and stuff. And I was like, I knew like even in my 30s when I was doing poetry real, 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 real heavy, I knew like, you know, I always looked like down the line, like I don't want to be doing this forever. Right. Because uh, and nothing's wrong with that. I I within myself felt like I didn't have what it took to sustain a poetry career to the day I died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't I didn't see my like myself to the likes of a Sonia Sanchez mm-hmm. or, you know, the greats, so to speak. Right, right, right. Um, so I started, you know, thinking about other ways I can like express that creativity and a lot of that came through music. Okay. And I so I was like, you know, doing music real, real heavy, just at home, playing beats for friends and getting feedback. But that was that was as far as it went at that time. Right. So and so now you do what? Now for now I do I do several things. Right now, I mean, now my title is um uh, I, I'm tripping. Like, what's my title right now? I mean, I'm a, a co-founder of Rebel Slick. My wife is, I, I say Kobe because she's fifty-one percent. Yeah. Just yeah. from a financial standpoint, that's what the banker told me I should do. Yeah. yeah so yeah. <laughs> we did that. I like your banker. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm uh, right now. I'm, uh, I'm the co-founder and creative creative director for Verbal Slick. And so, what does Verbal Slick do as a company? If I want to hire Verbal Slick, what do y'all do? Verbal Slick as a company, we are one-stop marketing boutique. And and to expand on that, that means if you have a project that you want to put on the market, we can help you do that. And that project can be, uh, you can be, we we deal with, you know, small clients, big clients. So you could be, we, we deal with like real estate agents mm-hmm. to celebrities. Okay. So we, uh, for example, like on one, one uh, extreme of the spectrum, it says a real estate agent, he or she wants to be rebranded. They need business cards. They need logos. They want a new okay. look. They want to uh, be polished or that kind of stuff. That's what we come in, help do this. So that's just kind of like one phase. And of course, there's always different levels of marketing just from a presentation standpoint to billboards, print ads, media press, bloggers, podcasts like yourself. So it's kind of like different levels to it depending on what that client wants to okay. do. And so... Marketing is off, often just like this blanket, 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 blanket term. But it's really some people say, like, what do you do? It really depends on the particular client. But again, trying to answer your question. So I do graphics for um, individuals and corporations. Okay. So I do flyers for homeboy cookout. Okay. I do <laughs> invites for uh, A-list movies, screenings, and stuff like that. I do photos for... Low level, uh, high of you if you want to you know, small, smaller clients, smaller mm-hmm. paying clients. I do photo for larger playing clients. So I do uh, music, graphic design, photo, um, and video. Okay, so whatever like the face of the company is it part production too? Yeah, yeah, it can be, and and that's like my side of it. So right. when you say like what does verbal slick do, I kind of was talking about like what I do, what I do, yeah, and yeah. my wife, my business partner, she is the logistical side of it. So whereas I do all the creative, she does all the planning um, of a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah. yeah, so. What is that like, like running a creative business with your partner? It's dope. It's dope <laughs> now. I mean, it's, it's, it's dope because, I mean, for us, for us, uh, you know, we, we always had, well, one, at the core of our relationship, we have a friendship. So that's been able to extend 
you know, we were friends before we got married. So that extended into our marriage and it, that friendship extends into our, into our business relationship. So a lot of times, you know, a lot of people can't necessarily work with their spouses. Right. But our situation works, one, because our friendship is at the core and our skills complement each other. That's so on top of that, uh, what helps is we both try to stay in our lane. When them lanes get crossed, it's a problem. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's not cool. I don't want to work with her. I don't want it. Like, it's it's a problem. We bump heads. But usually that happens when somebody's stepping in somebody else's lane and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, uh, you know, she's an expert in her field. I'm an expert in my field. We both uh, get feedback to each other. Yeah. But those are only, you know, those are the only times where it's a, it's a problem. You know, I'm like, ah, oh, this sucks. But over, But that's minimal compared to the wins and the everything else that come with it. Yeah. What so, was your biggest win? What was what what's your greatest accomplishment or favorite project that you've done so far? Um our as a as a as a company, man, dang, it's a couple of them. But some of them Tell are, me about a couple of them. Cause some of them are like bittersweet. It's like this was great, but that person sucked. Oh or yeah, like, we so need to like, get it. <laughs> man, so um man, the, the the biggest the biggest accomplishment I would say uh was us co-managing Okay, that's a big deal in the world. That, I would say that's that was our biggest accomplishment to date because we were we were fairly young company, uh, b- both still very experienced, but we were given a huge platform to do a lot of things and grow. Um, so that was that was an amazing experience. I mean, I was I was, you know, still still sharpening my skills as a graphic graphic design person. Um, I mean, I started from like zero. They didn't know that though. I can say that now. Over. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they didn't know that though. But I was starting at zero, and I was doing graphics just like it felt like around the clock. But I was doing graphics every day yeah. for at least six months. So you're just kind of self-taught, like that's not. No, like, not kind of. I was. With. You definitely. I, I went. I can say this is not because people might hear this, so this is good. All right. So yeah, I'm definitely. I'm definitely self-taught. I remember uh, reaching out to my boy AJ, AJ Joyner. He's in Atlanta. Um, and he he at the time he was doing graphics heavy and logos, um, and I asked him to take some time to sit down with me to show me how to do graphics. Uh-huh. He was like, "Man, dude, I, I I tell people to go to YouTube and they can learn and da 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 da." And I felt like he was blowing me off, yeah. but he wasn't. But I I you know at the time it felt like that. But even looking back on it, he wasn't blowing me off. Like he, that was the best advice he could have gave thing. me. Yeah, yeah. But at the time I was like, just show me, like show me, like but. He was like, go to YouTube. And I probably paused that whole thought for, I don't know, I don't know, maybe a year, half yeah. a year, something like that. It was a chunk of time, but I was like, whatever. But when I got the opportunity to do Bayou Classic, I had to learn. I had to learn fast. And I so learned everything So the gig kind of drove the skills there. Yeah, the opportunity the opportunity presented itself. They yeah. went after they went after my wife because she was like the brains. Mm-hmm. And so they went after her, but offered both of us the opportunity. I was just kind of like on her coattail. Right, right. And um, they kind of, they, I guess, uh, it feels funny saying this. I, it, yeah, it just feels funny talking about this stuff. But yeah. uh, I, I, they they just kind of assumed that I knew how to do it based on my presentation of Verbal Slick's Facebook page. Wow. I, I was, I was That's real. Portfolio, yeah. yeah, I was real mindful about the type of stuff I posted on my Verbal Slick Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Well, most people have a, a profile page under their name. For some reason, 
Facebook let me slide by. Like, I know a lot of artists that had to go to their government name. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. for whatever reason, they let me keep Verbal Yeah, slip. they let me keep Ashley Hayes, too. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? So yeah. they, they let they let me keep that. And uh, But yours sound more like a name than, yeah, than Verbal Slick. Yeah, I get away with it. So, but they let me keep that. And um, I was real, I always treated it like a business page. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that, that persona... Uh, gave an impression to the company that was managing. I'm not gonna say their name because I don't I don't like them. Okay, so, that's <laughs> the company that love. was co-managing. So yeah, so the company that was co-managing. This is another thing I'm gonna say this too. I feel like I'm on the radio. So a lot of people <laughs> think like that is a historical HBCU tournament that's been going on in New Orleans for quite some time. Started by and a lot of people think that black. I mean, I'm sorry. Is a is a is a black uh, project and is not okay. It's it's not minority. It's not minority managed, operated, operated. Like, yeah, uh-huh. not even close. And so we were brought to the table to be a face. Ah, to be a face. We, I, I didn't know that at the time. I was a, I was a youngin in this in this uh-huh. in this thing. I see, we get the gig uh, right. We take it. And then it's there like... was a, I'm giving shout outs because if people hear it, I want them to know I I, I thought about them too. So there's yeah. a, there's a <laughs> I have a, a friend slash mentor by the name of Eric Franklin. He lives in Atlanta too. Okay, he's a multimillionaire, uh, and he if I would call him, uh, he would always tell me like, if you ever need advice. So I'll be like, you know, I got five hundred dollars. What I got to do? Can I make a million? He'd be like, calm down. Right. But, but he would give me advice about certain things. But one of the things he told me was, with in regards to, he's like, be careful that they don't use you as window dressing. And I didn't Ooh. know what he meant. And I didn't even know what he meant. And he was like, and I was like, nah, it's all good. What are you talking about? And that's exactly what it was. And so um, that that's one thing. But but. I just had to put that out there for some kind of reason. But I'm no, like, I think I we need to hear that. We need to understand, like, the ethics, because that's part of what we talk about on the podcast, is, like, the ethics of doing business and what it means to take the gig and, you know, how you have to show up when you take the gig. So it's good to, to know that and to hear stories, right? Because it's not, you know, we as Black folks, we want to see each other win. We want to see each other get success. We want to see the big names. But what does that mean? What is it like behind the scenes? And so I think these kind of stories are important to know when you show up, what role are you serving? Yeah, d- definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, as, as you were talking, there's so many things is like coming into my mind and it's like, I don't want to just be spewing off stuff. My wife be like, "Why can't we talk about that?" So I'm like, I'm like, I'm listening. You gotta I'm fi- check with PR. Right, I'm like filtering myself at the same time. But but that that was significant. Um, but like I said, but in regards to the graphics, that that fueled it, and um, definitely being self taught. And so it was like once I learned a lot of the basics of graphics, I was able to learn basic of photo and basics of video. And I just put some more time into my laptop as far as programs and software. And um, it turned into money. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like knowing how to just knowing how to do something that somebody else can't do. It's like yeah. being, you know. So it started out with you know doing business cards, flyers, and it just grew and grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. And I got to do bigger and bigger and you know bigger projects. So I, I hate to be so long winded, but that's like part A of that answer in regards to our like my biggest and most thing I'm most proud of. Yes, okay. The, it was a huge, was a big deal. Uh, gave us a huge platform. Uh, taught me a whole lot. I mean, I learned so lot, so so much from it. Um, so I don't never, you know, I hate to just say like, you know, oh, I didn't like it, I didn't like it, because I learned a lot from it too. It was just uh, we we just got, you know, uh, 
played in some way. We were misled. Mm. Not played. That's the yeah. We were just misled. We was misled about some things, and and that bothered me because these were HBCUs, and there was a um, a white company. Ain't nothing wrong with white companies. Like I hate to say white company, but it was it was a white company that was that was managing, and they they are not. They were not, and are not uh, in the best interest of either one of those universities. Mm. Ain't nobody gonna say that but me. Well, but that's what it is. But that's that because I don't want I don't want this to be like world star. So that's that. Right. And then on the positive side. Uh, now, when you like the uh, one of the most things I'm most proud of, and this is me uh, versus like my. You ask my wife; she got other stuff that just make. Right. I don't know. She's on some other stuff. <laughs> but uh, but my proudest moment was doing uh, working on uh, Bill Street, if, if Bill Street could talk yes, with uh, Regina King, and I um I was hired to do uh, a digital lookbook for the movie. So it was like really dope. I don't think hardly nobody saw it, but it was super dope. The studios loved it. Like that was <laughs> a great feeling. <laughs> yeah, it was a great feeling. Like hearing people like from the studios, like just their feedback and people from the cast. Like it was, it was, it was surreal because we was in New Orleans at the time, but I was doing this big thing, this big project, you know, based in Hollywood. So I was like super excited. I couldn't tell nobody about it, couldn't post nothing about it. So it was yeah, like, it was NBA. like, dang, you want to tell everybody, you know? But it was this digital lookbook. Uh, based on accomplishments and milestones of um, damn, you got me drawing a blank. This is awful. That was what's the, the what's the um, what's the black guy the, the the guy's name? The author that wrote If Bill Street Could Talk. That's Jesus um, Christ! Uh, now you got right. Me come on, blank. Baldwin. Baldwin, yes. Jesus, <laughs> just, I'm right. I'm a poet, right? But uh, Ali Baldwin. I'm it, so it was, ashamed. I know. I was like, I'm just. I just drew a blank. But it was based on the movie. I have my energy engineer cut that. <laughs> please, please. But it was based on the lookbook. Was based on the uh, the uh, life milestones of Alec Baldwin. James Baldwin. Jesus, That's please okay. cut that. James Baldwin. <laughs> All right, let's start it over. Right. Let's cue you in. <laughs> The uh the lookbook was uh based on milestones, the lifetime and milestones of James Baldwin and um inspired by the movie. Okay. So it was like really, really dope. It was interactive, sound bites from his um speeches and interviews, uh, uh clips from the movie. Like it was it was dope. And I had never did nothing like that. Yeah. And uh they asked me if I can do it, and I was like, uh, you know, I didn't even know if I can do it, but that was that was that was really, really cool being a part of that. That's dope. And like I like you know, that they got it right, right? That they hired a black marketing firm to sort of take on these projects. And that's what we want more of. We want more creatives to be able to land a gig and for it to mean something. And that's sort of a sense. Have you taken any major losses? Yeah. 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 Yes. So, um, yeah. um, One of when... Yeah, man. I guess we're going to keep it a buck. Yeah, so like with the thing, like... It was going great, and when it wasn't going great, everything stopped. You know, so it was like it was it was a huge blow to our income. A huge, I think the the people, not the people, the mm-hmm. the the person that was uh our that we partnered with, they was trying to destroy us in some ways. Not in some ways, they was trying to basically like just destroy our company, and that was really difficult. That was really difficult because we was out of our league in some ways, like with lawyer, like you know, lawsuits going on. It was a lot, and it was like, yeah, it was a big blow because I was new to this. Like right. I was kind of like this was I was kind of going through some things I thought only people with millions of dollars went through. Oh, I so see, I see. yeah, so I'm kind of like I'm just 
you know, like I'm just trying to do my little thing thing. Like, right. what are you talking about? Like, but um, yeah, so that was that was it was it was a big loss. It was it was big, it was it was, I mean, big in all caps. And um, and I'm glad you asked me about this because people just see our highlights. Yeah, you know that's what, I mean? what we show. Yeah. yeah, they see the highlights and then they and they see the results of like our effort and stuff, which is great. But I, I try and tell people every chance I get when I have these kind of conversations, like when things got hard, I was Ubering. My wife was Ubering. I was Ubering afternoon into the night and she was Ubering the day. Wow. It went from, you know, I don't want to do that. I don't want nobody in my car to I have to do it. Yeah. Like I got to like, or the light's going to be cut off or the insurance is going to lapse. And, right. You know, stuff like it was like I was desperate and it was like a real big blow to my ego. And I was mm. like, you know, I felt like, what are people going to think? And that went away real quick, though. That yeah. went away real. Like, when I first, like, I worked a week with Uber. By the time that, yeah, by the time I got to the end of that week, I was good. Like, even yeah. just the first day. And I, you can get with Uber, you know, you can get paid that day. You can yeah. get paid that hour. You can get paid immediately. Right? right. And so I was like, that first day, I was like, man, like, okay. And then it was like, I kept doing it. And I was like, so once that was out the way, and this this is nothing I want to point out. When when I was working, you know, before I, before me and my wife started this company, our mindset was very different. We were like workers with dreams of running a business or having your business one day. You know how people be in church, like, you know, the preacher might be like, you know, y'all, you know, we're gonna speak into business right. on everybody. <laughs> we was them people too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have a vision in your mind of what that's gonna look like. And that's detrimental mm-hmm. if you do. Because the way ours came out was nothing I could have... Yeah, could have planned for yourself. Not even hardly. Like, That's not crazy. even, not even hardly. And um, and so it was like, when when the blow came, once we took, once things were going steady and we were able to get to a point we were maintaining, when the blow came, I didn't feel like, okay, the business is over. I got to go back to what I was doing. I didn't think like that. Okay. It felt like I got to go do this, and then we'll come right back. Yes, to yes, what I was right. doing. Like you know, like somebody, I, don't, I might be saying this wrong, but like they say, there's a saying, not a saying, but like this thing of like, uh, you know, like a millionaire could lose all lose all his money, but know how to get it back. Mm-hmm. So it was like uh, for like three years. And so that's a long contract to be on the same project. Yeah, I mean it was every it was year. It wasn't like they just yeah, yeah. you know signed us three year deal. Right, 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 right. Three years in a row. <laughs> I want to yeah. point that out. Every year it was like I don't know if I want to go with you no more. Right, right, so, right. So, but but once once we did when we did it the first year, it was like that we we knew ourselves that we can that we can do this thing that we were trying to do. It was confirmation within ourselves. So even though that didn't go well. In the long run, even though that didn't go well in the long run, it was just like if I, if I, if I got you, I can get somebody else. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was like yes. because it's a very well-known brand. Right. So it was like almost like being like a regular guy, but I got me a dime piece. Right. And she's filling. I got me. the resume piece. That, right. So know. I'm like, if I can get a, if I can get you, I can get another bad chick. Right. <laughs> so it was like I didn't. It just I just felt like I got dumped by a bad chick. Right. And I was like, well, I'm gonna just go get 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 on my feet, get my weight up, right. and I'm not gonna go get some regular bra. I'm gonna get another bad bra. 
<laughs> because I've done it before. I know how to talk to a yeah. bad chick. I know how to court them. I know how to treat them. Yeah. So I hate to relate things to a bad chick. This is real But sexist. I mean, no, I mean, it probably is, but I also like... <laughs> this is a metaphor, I guess. I feel that, though. Like, it's a metaphor. It's like, if I could, you know, if I could land this deal, if I could land, you know... If the bar is set high, why am I gonna go? Yeah, you know? thank you for bailing me out. Yeah, it was it was it was that kind of feeling. So it was like the whole time I was Ubering, like I said, it went from what are people gonna think to damn what they think. I can buy my wife Chinese food tonight. Right. Where a week ago I couldn't. Right. You know, so it was like that that went out the window. And when and this is for anybody. When you start when you stop caring about what somebody, what other people what think, other and people, people say it all think, the time. Man, but when you yeah. really that is very freeing. Yeah. And it and it's and people say that, like, I don't care what nobody else thinks, but they don't that's deep, 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 deep down. It's 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 one when you really get to that place, and for me that was like, you know, doing the Uber thing was one of the that was one of the best experiences of my life. I met so many people, had yeah. so many good I, I experiences. For a while. Really? Yeah, I did. I'm t- we're creatives and entrepreneurs. I think we've all like Uber for a minute, worked that retail job. You know, I just mm-hmm. started talking about it this season. I'm working, I'm 31 and I just picked up my first retail job. But wow. that's because I had a slow season mm-hmm. and I like to go to Whole Foods. I'm a Whole Foods host. So it's like, if you want to go eat kale <laughs> and Atlantic salmon, <laughs> you better get a job. <laughs> because these poems is not selling. Right, right. Um, but it's understanding the way that the market fluctuates. And that's the thing about being a creative entrepreneur. It's not every two weeks. Mm-mm. It's not, it might not be every, Man, you know, every six facts, months. It facts, might not be. Facts. You might have to call your mom. You might have yeah. to call your homies. Yeah, you know, I've been yeah. transparent. My homies have helped me yeah, and been like, yeah, look, you know, yeah. you can borrow my car. You can yeah. whatever. Yeah. And it's like, you know, but keeping, preserving who you are, right? Like not letting your identity be tied yeah. into that thing that you're yeah. doing, which you're saying can, it can be difficult. You know, there was a video of Young Jock um, doing Uber. And when I saw it, I was like, thank you. Like, yes. I'm glad. Yeah. Like, yeah. y'all are jerks for putting this out yeah. there. But thank you, Jock, yeah. for being like, yeah. yo. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> totally. No, you hit, you hit, you hitting it on the nail. And, and especially like, I mean, I was in New Orleans at the time, but I was coming from Atlanta. And I had that Atlanta. And it was like, had I been in Atlanta, I don't know if I would have been on my ground like that. I I it, I think I would have been too embarrassed. Yeah. In Atlanta. True. I would have been too embarrassed. Oh, somebody gonna see me, oh, Spinks Uber, and I thought he was this, I thought he was that. And that's that that was what my mind was. But once I got rid of that, man. Then you just like whatever. And I love what you said about, you know, recognizing that you you're gonna come back. Like I'm the type of person, my first year was impeccable. My first mm-hmm. year was record breaking. Then that second year was like, well, you kind of maxed out these markets. So what are you gonna mm-hmm. do now? What are you gonna do in the mm-hmm. meantime? And just, you know, I might work a desk job. I might go be an administrative assistant. I might, That's you know, good, pick Ash. up a small gig or pick good. up. And so I wanna be, you know, us as artists to be more transparent about what that looks like. What that means is that I may generate most of my income from my creative business. It may mean mm-hmm. I generate half mm-hmm. of my income mm-hmm. from my creative business, but I'm still gonna maintain it. I'm still gonna be doing Doing this work, but you know, my identity is not attached to yeah, that yeah. one thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, you I I'm I'm just agreeing with you. I mean, you're saying <laughs> it because as, as you as you're saying, I'm thinking about like, you know, I used to have locks down my back. Yeah, you did. And it was like I was tied to that. But I remember uh uh 
Lisa Garza, they call just call her, they just call her L. Uh-huh. But uh she's a she's a creative, she's an amazing artist. And I think her hair is long. Now I think she had cut it, but when I met her, her hair was dumb long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dumb long. But she would always have it covered, like wrapped. Uh-huh. And when I saw it without, I was like, like it was dumb long. And I was like, you have like beautiful hair. Why you always have it covered? And she was like, I don't want people. She said, people tend to form a relationship with my hair and yeah, not me. Yeah, yeah, And I thought that was crazy heavy and deep. And so, you know, I was like, man, I, I've I just, I never want to just be like in a box. So like, I'm I'm like, I get bored with myself. <laughs> right. I get bored looking at myself. Like, like when I got Twist, it was, it was great because it was ever evolving. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was like, you know, when I got Twist, you know, people was like, you gonna let them grow? I'm like, no, nah, I just like Twist. Right. Then they say, you know, they touch on your ear. You think it's a bug on your ear. Oh, it's my your God, hair. I you can't know, stand like, it. Right? <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not used to that. Right. And I never thought I would have locks down my back, but it, but I like change. Uh-huh. And it was, for me, it was like, I'm looking different every month. Right. You know, so it was like, next thing I know, it was like, but once they got dumb, dumb long, I was just kind of like, I got bored with it after a while. Right. And uh, I, I was, I mean, when I decided to cut, I told my kids, <laughs> I told my kids, I was, uh, I told them something stupid. Like I'm going through a, uh, I'm doing a campaign change for Robo Slick. I mean, not Robo Slick for Spinks. I, yeah. I did like just some stupid term I made up, but I was just trying to cut my hair. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Mm-hmm. Like anyway. brand change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, and, and that's with anything. You can't let any particular external thing like define who you are as a person, as a creative. You know what your mission is. You got to stay focused on it. You just may have to take a different route. And I think um, it's hella inspiring to see you like, y'all. This Negro live off Sunset Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> like I, I was like Sunset. I've seen this in the movies, but like, and that's, um, are you proud of that? Cause I'm super proud of that. Like to know you and to see what you built. And I'm, I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of me and my wife. I'm proud of where we accomplished. Yeah. Like, and I don't mean that no cocky way. And I hope anybody hearing my voice know that because when I tell you, man, I'm, I'm humbled every day. Yeah. Every day. Every, every single day, every time I hop my car and, 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 and drive to this office. I've been going to this office lately. We talk about that later. Yeah. Well, I've been going to this office. And uh, as I'm just driving around to see, I can't believe that I'm out here because and I, I, it seemed like just yesterday I was getting up, getting on 285 to 75 to go to my job in corporate America. And I would, chat with John throughout the day about what we going to do to get out of here. And yeah. one day we ain't going to be doing this and all this. And we would write poems and back and forth. And, uh, and I remember when, uh, John moved on to big and better things and left his job. I felt like he got out of jail and I did. And I cried Ooh, that day. Wow. I cried that day. I got up from my desk, went somewhere and cried. I was like, damn, like who else am I going to talk to? He going to be gone and Dang, stuff yeah. like that. And, uh, and I had no plan. I had no idea, like no idea how I was going to like, I, I thought like I had to write my way out of it. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I have to create dope enough poems and perform in front of the certain crowds. And then somebody's going to discover me or give me my, I thought that was going to happen. And because I wasn't creating nothing like that, I felt like, I felt like in a nutshell, I was like, like I'm good. I've I performed in front of crowds. I've got standing ovations. I've done that. But I didn't at the. I didn't feel like. I'm like I ain't hot. You know what I mean? I, I didn't. I was like I ain't hot. Like I. It, it was just. 
you know, I just, so, so, and I guess I'm saying that to say, like, I'm very proud because, man, I I didn't, I I, I always, I hate to say I always knew because I didn't know. I I, I felt like, I want to say I knew, I had dreams of it. I dreamed about doing the things I'm doing today, but I didn't always know it would happen. Yeah. But I I dreamed it's, I mean, yeah. And now it's here. It's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) It's, I mean... I, I, I I'm I'm very grateful, and, I, and I'm saying this. I'm, I'm so hesitant to even keep saying it because I know things change. We get old, we get sick. If I I just want to stay in this space as long as I can, but I know other things are gonna come my way, other challenges and stuff like that. But, but it's uh, okay to be present when life is dope. You know, yeah, I think, yeah. You know, I think it's dope to to have that perspective, right? To know what it's like to Uber and to not have you know the cushy life, but also to be like. I worked for the cushy life, and I here did. we are. And let's, yeah, you know. I did, and it's cush. It's real cushy, it's real cushy. But <laughs> real I, I mean, I, I, I worked. I, I worked. I sacrificed. I mean, and I, I mean, yeah, we, we bust our, we bust our butt raising three kids, and uh, helping out with two grandkids. I mean, we, we did a lot when we didn't, when we didn't, the show didn't have a lot. Wow. And um, and and helped a lot of people along the way, and still continue to help people. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm of that, of that mindset. You know, and of that energy and of that spirit. So uh, I'm real big on just trying to share what I know, you yeah. know, like, because there's some things I know now. I'm like, man, I could have saved myself a lot of time. Yeah. I, you know, so like, and, and, and just kind of put a button on that. But like how you was talking about, like, you know, doing retail, you know, you still haze. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like, once I, and if I, I would tell anybody like I say don't you know don't, don't take a leap of faith just build a bridge like have a plan you know have a have a plan that plan may take three years five years right. and I tell you it's so is is the thing about having a plan is it's a lot of it can be in your control yeah you know I when I was when I was uh I was forty I think forty years old sitting in that cubicle and I was like I gotta Wait do something. Wait a second, you older than forty now? <laughs> Dude, I'm 47, son. What? I, I just turned 47. My wife had to tell me. I was like, I'm about to be 46. And she's like, no, you're about to be 47. So I'm, I'm, I just turned 47 on February 2nd. Crazy. I'm about to be 50. I got time for this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I was 40. Sitting in the cubicle. No degree. Doing uh, in accounts payable. And I, I point that out to say, Without having a degree in accounting, you can't go past accounts payable is like entry level. Yeah. So you ain't gotta have you have a high school, you, you might not even have to have a high school diploma. But if you know how to add and subtract, you can get a job in accounting doing accounts payable, accounts receivable, anybody out there, and it pays pretty good. But the uh I knew that wasn't my ministry at all whatsoever. I hate math, don't like accounting and all that. And I knew I'm like, I'm 40. There was nowhere for me to go. Like it was literally a dead end job mm-hmm. because of my lack of education. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I decided to go back to school. I went to Georgia State. That was an uphill battle. I had. I mean, it took me almost a year just to do that. Phone calls, trying to get my student loans uh, that was in default back up to good standing. And I'm just saying that to say, like, it, it was a lot. You know, it was a big life decision, but it was the best decision I ever made. Not so much to go back to school. Lord, but and I finished, but the same the same uh, mentor of mine, Eric Franklin. I'm, before I went to school, I was talking to him like, "How? Yeah, tell me how to get on. Like, how do I? I'm trying to be like, what do I gotta right. do? Right. What I gotta do?" And he was always speaking in parables and riddles and stuff. But he was like, I was telling him I was thinking about going back to school, and he's like, "You don't need to go to school, Spinks. 
I'm like, why? Well, well, then what? Like, what? Give me right. some answers. What's next? And uh, but I never got that. You know what I'm saying? I never got that. So I always felt like uh, some of the things I know now, like I'm more than willing to share, like what I know now. That could, if it could save somebody a headache. So I'm like, if you in a dead end job or whatever that you feel like, you know, you're an artist or creative or you got some kind of talent or whatever that is. It ain't got to be necessarily an artist or whatever, but you got something else you want to do. Get a plan, and usually that plan is attached to a dollar sign. Figure out how you can get that money. If that means you got to humble yourself, stay with a cousin for a year. Listen. Save. There's other ways. Like, if I could do it all over again, if I can do it all over again, knowing what I know now, I knowing what I know now, the moment my wife said, hey, babe, we should do our own thing. Knowing what I know now and the confidence I have now, I would have... I would have talked her into moving back to my parents' house in Chicago. Yeah. Talked to my parents, got them on board if they would be with it. But I would have had maybe like a, a year. I would have came with a plan for a year if we can work, save money, yeah. and and finance our business. Yeah. That's what I, and that's what I would encourage damn near anybody. If you can, because a lot of times your biggest expense is your rent. Yep. So unless you have a I life mate. my best friend. Yeah. So if you got a mate or a partner that can help circumvent those costs, but if you don't or whatever, if you can, if you can, have along whether it's through a job or staying with some friends, you can get on your feet, whatever that thing is, do that. Cause you can't be without the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I've been talking more about it. Like that first year, it, it took me 10 racks before I got to my first paycheck mm. between paying my rent, between paying for hotels up front, between paying for lodging up front, mm-hmm. between, you know, paying conference costs mm-hmm. if you want to go to conferences and, mm-hmm. you know, all you're of those investing things. in yourself. Exactly, because it's a constant investment, time and money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you learn how to moonlight. You learn how to work a nine to five and then clock in at the open mic from five to nine. You know, you yes. learn how to Facts. save or whatever. And I haven't been the greatest saver and <laughs> I'm just working on it now. I cook at home a lot more. Good. But, you know, I drive I have a habit of driving paid for cars because, mm-hmm. you know, that's mm-hmm. one thing that I don't have to mm-hmm. go to sleep at night wondering how I'm going to pay yep. the car. No, yep. I try to just, yep. you know, Good. get it up, fix the repairs as they happen. Right now my car covered because it's raining in Atlanta. It's a hole in the sunroof. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's my car. Get me where I got to go. And so, you know, you learn. And I don't, I, for me, I try to stay away from, like, sacrifice. I just prioritize, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. maybe we'll get to Rodeo Drive. Maybe we'll get to yeah, Sunset. But right yeah. now, I'm prioritizing yeah. this company, prioritizing yeah. the growth. You know, last yeah. year, I had to prioritize videography as an expense. Man, mm. I didn't know how much this shit was going to cost yeah, me <laughs> to get yeah, video man. and quality, for, to hire, you know, somebody yep, like yep, you to do yep. content and graphics and um, it's just, it's been a journey and you learn and you learn. And so it's so dope to hear stories from folks who look like us, you yeah. know, to hear black folks making it and starting and not knowing which direction to go. You know, mm-hmm. white people get to be mediocre all the time. They get to <laughs> walk in a room and I know what they're doing. Yeah, we Hayes built is it. racist. What? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm black. I can't be racist. It's not, it's not a thing. They get to be mediocre, though. Like, you know, hmm. let's be honest. Let's keep it a buck. But oh, um, I think it's dope to hear that from you. And I'm super proud. What's your favorite part about living in L.A.? The weather. God, yeah. The weather. The weather is just great. Like, I felt like the United States had winter everywhere but here. Like, it got chilly. Yeah. You know, it got, it got cold some nights, but not like... I don't even think it hit 30. I think like it gets it gets 50 here. I'm saying it's cold. Like it's cold to me now. I'm spoiled. That's cold 
told you, yeah, you spoiled. Yeah, I'm dumb spoiled. <laughs> I'm like, it's freezing outside. I love coming but yeah, out. Yeah, I would, I would say the 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 weather. The weather's the weather's really nice. The, and the scenery, like it's beautiful. This is California. I, I ain't gonna say California. I ain't been around the whole state, but it's a beautiful city. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. I love it to mm-hmm. be here. But um, thank you so much for talking to me. This is like super enlightening conversation. Um, I hope my listeners, I think they're gonna think it's dope and be inspired by it. Where can people find you? Uh, on Instagram and Facebook under Verbal Slick. Same name, V-E-R-B-A-L-S-L-I-C-K. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sphinx. Um, any last things? Oh, I wanted to ask you, what's your favorite film and why? Hmm. Um, man, I think my trigger, my trigger answer is uh, Shawshank Redemption. Okay. I got so many. Okay. But that's my, that's my, off the top of my head, I would say Shawshank. And why? Um, man, uh, there's a line of uh, hope. By hope. I remember my mom, my mother saw that movie before I did. She told me to go see it. And uh, I was like, what was it about? And she was like, it's about hope. And I, was like, I thought it was about two niggas in jail. <laughs> but <laughs> she was like, it's about hope. And when I saw it, I was like, yeah, it's about hope. And in the movie, you know, Morgan Freeman says mm-hmm. hope is a dangerous thing. But that's what got him out of there. And he had to go through literally a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's just a perfect, perfect, you know, metaphor for life. You know, in a way. So, yeah. And, uh, but yo, and, and real quick before we get out of here, I want to let people know I got an instrumental BCD coming out. Hey. April. On 420, April is going to be on all streaming platforms. I hate when artists be like, that's going to be everywhere. But it's going to be everywhere. And it's called Beats Me by Sphinx. I love it. I love it. I love, I love, you know, like tapping into other artistic endeavors and not leaving those too. Like, yeah, all around dude. That's what's up. Aww. That's what we do, man. We're learning that. Man, I started swimming in adulthood. It's been so weird. It's like And my and my last thing, I love this girl. Ashley Hayes over here to my left, y'all. She's the real deal. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful spirit. So Thank you. my podcast can suck, but y'all support her. For real. <laughs> It doesn't suck. It's great. It's awesome. It's one of my favorite. It's my first. Um, no, it's not my first interview, but it's my first remote interview. So I'm really excited. Well, we yeah, you got to tell me. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm going yeah. Past intro the time. in Los Angeles, California. We off Sunset in Hollywood. In the jam room. The stars. I got Range Rovers and Audis in the garage. See, you saw yeah. that? Yeah, I stole one of them. <laughs> Dope. Put it back. They ain't even no cuz. Man, listen. Listen, you got bell hop door man letting us in. Call me Mr. Jones. Swank ass studio. Man, this is dope. But thank you so much um, for chatting with us. Um, y'all can leave a message for me or Sphinx at www.anchor.fm slash Ashley-Hayes A-S-H-L-E-E-H-A-Z-E You can also support the podcast there. Um, You can download this, share it with your homies on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are found. And of course, you can always find the landing page at www.ashleyhayes.com slash Hayes' Higher Learning. Um, I usually give the people a song of the week. Would you like to give the people a soundtrack? Heck yeah! So, um, <laughs> what y'all gonna hear? Uh, this is a, this is a, a a single. I always want to say it. this is a single off my upcoming album. Damn, that felt good. This is a single <laughs> off my upcoming album called uh, "Count on You" and uh, off the Beach Me project by Sphinx. Okay, cool. And they'll be able to look it up. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be on your podcast. I think. It's gonna right? be on the podcast. <laughs> we'll leave it in the links. All right. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you for tuning in to Hayes' Higher Learning, where together we are learning better, doing better, and being better. I'll holler.